Hello and welcome to Bibliophiles, a podcast where you get to sit in on conversations about books and reading with the ultimate book lovers, librarians. In each episode, we'll explore a theme and tell you what we're excited about reading right now. We hope you enjoy. Hello and welcome to Bibliophiles. I'm your host, Jen Webb, and today we're going to talk about favorite books. And everybody cringed and groaned when I brought this topic up. There are a lot of ways you could approach it. Um, obviously, as librarians, we have a really hard time choosing our favorite books. It's like it's like asking me which one of my non-existent children I love more. <laughs> um, but the way we decided to start approaching it was the idea of desert island books. Um, and then, of course, Jen immediately said, well, you know, someone's going to suggest something like how to build a boat. <laughs> We're like, okay, maybe a better approach would be what books would you take on a long space flight? Like, you're going to Mars, you're going to be stuck there for a long time, but you are coming back. So it's like, it's not like you have to bring a book that'll teach you how to survive. You're just bringing books to keep you connected to Earth. <laughs> so before we begin, a note about the sound today. We're under construction here at Cary Library, as you may know if you're local. And uh, the usual room where we record, they're sawing right outside of it. So we came to the children's story time room, um, but now they're sawing outside of that too. <laughs> So uh, if you hear some strange noises, that's why. We apologize, but uh, we'll, uh, oh, there it is, yep. <laughs> we'll do the best we can. And we have a new person with us today. So uh, let's go around the circle and just uh, introduce ourselves. Hi, I'm Alyssa, I'm the head of youth services. Yay. This is Jen Forget. I'm the teen services librarian. This is Megan Parker, I'm the programming librarian. And this is Matt Schumann. I'm a library assistant. And our fearless editor who turns these oh, recordings right. yes, into I something that makes sense. It. Yay! <laughs> yeah, yeah, you don't have to toot your own horn every time. I know, I know that's hard for you. Oh, well, thanks for being here. So, who is our first victim? What books would you take on an interplanetary journey? I'll go first. All right. All right, this is Megan. Um, so, the first book that came to mind was Pride and Prejudice. I read it when I was 14, and I've loved it ever since. Uh, I've Even when I've like moved someplace temporarily, like study abroad, I've always made sure I had a copy with me. I love it. When, sometimes when I'm just like in a weird mood, I'll just go read my favorite passages. So I feel like that would be a very good book to have while trapped on another planet. I am taking that um, one as well. <laughs> and you know, right. it connects you to the best and worst of humanity. And, both Mr. Darcy and Mr. Collins, so you have lots of, you know, options to either, you know, pine for, you know, wonderful, rich, landowning men, or you can, uh, you know, be glad that you're not subjected to Mr. Collins, so... Or Lady you know, Catherine DuPort. Or Lady Catherine. There's so many options, you know. When you're missing your siblings, you can read about Jane. When you are really glad you're not around them, you can read about Lydia. There's so many choices. Um, so yeah, so I chose Pride and Prejudice as my first title. Uh, then my second title is kind of a cheat because it's actually seven books, but it's the <laughs> Harry Potter series. Uh, I uh, wondered if someone was going to take the series. Yep, you? I did it first, first because <laughs> I love them. Mm -hmm. Second, because I can reread them forever. I've reread them so many times already, and I don't get sick of them, so I'm not going to get sick of them in the future. I really don't think so. Um, and finally, there's seven of them, and they're pretty long. <laughs> yeah, that's so, a lot of pages. There's a lot to read. Um, 
So I think that would be acceptable in the days of e-readers where you can fit lots of things onto one thing. I think that would be kosher. And to be fair, if you were going on a space flight, you probably would not be bringing physical books with you. You'd probably be bringing an e-reader. Maybe this whole, like, choose your desert island or, you know, choose your three books or whatever, a little bit moot, but, you know, for the sake of argument. Exactly. Let's say it's a very small e-reader. Yeah. (laughs) Exactly. You know, there's... There's other more, probably more important things that they have to load onto that, like how to survive on Mars. Yeah. So, um, yeah, for the sake of argument, there's only the three, but I'm counting all seven Harry Potter books as one. <laughs> and then my last book, um, I actually thought of today at lunch, and it is A Gift from the Sea by Anne Merle Lindbergh. Um, I just think it's really beautiful. It has a lot of themes of like solitude and finding yourself and like being at peace with yourself. I think would be very useful alone in space <laughs> um, and also it's just very lyrical and like you know very visual so I think that would also be nice to be connected to something as concrete and earthly as the ocean and the beach when you're so far away from it so I think it would be of comfort in many ways so that is, those are my three hopefully they would keep me sane for the course of a long Mars journey <laughs> excellent I think Megan and I should travel together and then we can bring more books because actually two of her books were on my list as well. This is Alyssa. Yeah. Um, I also have Pride and Prejudice. I was just thinking the other day that I'm due for a reread of that. It's been a little while. So I got myself a brand new, fresh, clean copy and it will probably be something I pick up again in the next couple weeks just because I love that book so much as a teenager and read it frequently in college. And it's been a couple of years, so it's time to revisit uh, Mr. Darcy. Um, and I would also take Harry Potter, but I'm like, Megan, I just put the first one because I was following the rules. <laughs> but uh, I mean, the first Harry Potter book is definitely my favorite, and every time I revisit that world, it's I could read it over and then end it and then go right back to the beginning and read it all the way through again without... I've done that several times, so I know that I can do that, and I would not have a problem doing that on a long space journey where I only had Harry Potter to read over and over and over again. If I had to pick one Harry Potter, and I would not be taking Harry Potter, but I think I would pick three or four. Ooh, I would pick three. Oh, yeah, that's a very popular opinion. I like four. Four is probably my second favorite in the series. But, like, I just like the introduction to the magical world for the, for the first book. Yeah. Like, seeing it for the first time, and every time I read it, I really feel like I'm seeing it for the first time. Goblet of Fire, though, that's totally where it starts to really get teeth, where things get yeah. real. Yeah. That's so true, yeah. yeah. People die, there are consequences. Mm-hmm. That people that I'm, I'm, I'm attached to mm-hmm. in the same way yeah. as later books. Yeah. yeah. Sorry, we interrupted you. Sorry. That's okay, <laughs> that's okay. Um, my third one is Anne of Green Gables, and that is, again, one that I have read every year since probably third grade. So I could reread that over and over, and I'm so very cool. excited to see that Netflix is doing a new version, and I can't wait to see it. So, But that's another one. I can close my eyes. I've seen the Megan Follows version so many times. I can just read the book and close my eyes and picture everything, and I'm just a happy camper. So if I'm stuck on a, you know... Space Voyage to Mars. I will not be a happy camper, so give me books that will make me a happy camper. <laughs> <laughs> Those are good choices. Yeah. I do love Anne of Green Gables. Mm-hmm. And she's such a delightful person to spend time with that it would make the isolation I pass I just easier. gave Anne of Green Gables to a mom for her daughter to read for the first time. I'm like, I really hope she likes She has to come back and tell me how she likes it. <laughs> <laughs> 
I've got to send you all a link to a wonderful blog post I just recently read about the importance of Anne of Green Gables, inspired by the news about the new show. Uh, we can link that in the notes as well. But I will also be digging an Ellen Montgomery book, Into Space, uh, but not Anne of Green Gables, and not even Emily of New Moon, which is my, you know, that was my Anne of Green Gables book, maybe that I, well, I don't know. I mean. I'm very attached to Emily, but the, the uh, Ellen Montgomery book that I reread the most as my ultimate comfort book is Jane of Lantern Hill, which is a lesser known one. Um, and in some ways, like, it's a little problematic because it's a fantasy about reuniting your divorced parents. Um, Jane basically sort of eventually manages to get her estranged mother and father back together. Um, but in this, you know, they're being kept apart by the machinations of her evil grandmother. Um, you know, they didn't really want to get divorced. <laughs> so, you know, but Jane is just fantastic. I identify with her so much. Um, all she wants is to be useful and have a sense of mastery. Um, and she's interested in things that other kids aren't and nobody really gets, you know, why she loves the things she loves. And that was very true of me growing up, you know, being this sort of strange little old soul who you know, was interested in cooking and housekeeping and wanted to live in the past. And so I definitely have to take a Jane Austen book. Uh, and I was sort of waffling about which one, but I think it does have to be Pride and Prejudice because it's so funny, it's so romantic, it's so clever and biting. It's just a perfect book. I mean, you know, Persuasion, there's a strong argument for Persuasion as well. Persuasion uh, is my second favorite Austen. Yeah. I do love Emma. That's my second. Oh, do you love Emma? I love Emma. Yeah. <laughs> I think the thing is, like, Emma is, like, sometimes too biting, and then Persuasion is sometimes, like, too romantic, mm -hmm. and Pride and Prejudice is, like, the perfect combination. Yeah. I mean, she really just nails it mm -hmm. in every way. I mean, yeah. It's so, got to yeah. be. It's got to be P&P. Definitely. Um, <laughs> and in the third spot, I really, I kind of struggle with this. I was tempted to cheat and go with an entire series. Um, and if I was going to cheat and go with an entire series, I would take Lois McMaster Bujold's For Kozigan series, which is a space opera, so it's very appropriate. Um, oh, it's so good. And if I had to pick one from those, it would probably be A Civil Campaign, which is sort of an atypical book in the series because it basically is a romance novel. <laughs> I'm pretty predictable. But on the other hand, I could go in a totally different direction and take Ray Bradbury's Martian Chronicles, which I think would mm. be extremely appropriate. Um, it's very rich, you know, it keep me busy for a while. It's been a while since I read it, so it would be good to rediscover. And it would be a good kind of intellectual preparation for setting foot on Mars <laughs> and keeping in mind, you know, the impact of human decisions. So yeah, I know I kind of cheated there because I didn't <laughs> make my final decision, but... Um, I think cheating's okay. Yeah. I, mean, I, che you know. I cheated and I feel very good about it. <laughs> <laughs> like, I invented this game. <laughs> 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 oh, who's next? So I, I have my list here and I'm actually, I'm kind of surprised looking at it because I consider myself mostly a fantasy reader. And there's not really any fantasy on those. <laughs> um, and I don't consider myself a historical fiction reader, and yet the first one on my list is All the King's Men by Robert Penn Warren. Hmm. Um, this is a book that was recommended to me by my junior year high school 
um, American history teacher. And it wasn't an assignment, it was just a, you should read this book because it's amazing. It won the Pulitzer Prize. Um, Robert Penn Warren was the poet laureate, first poet laureate of the United States. And um, just really, really beautifully written book. Um, I wouldn't normally choose to read a book about Depression era South American South. And yet, you know, here's this really interesting um, political novel about, uh, you know, these guys who are all wrapped up in uh, some, some shady things going on um, as this politician rises to power and all of the people that he brings along with him through his uh, charisma and, you know, smooth talking, he kind of uh, is able to make a lot of, I don't know, interesting decisions that your narrator gets to reflect on. So it's, it's a lot of interesting observations about people and why they do the things they do. And um, it's, it's just amazing. And then the other two on my list are totally different from that. Um, I had to put the perks of being a wallflower on there. Ooh, yeah. Um, Perks was the first book that made me cry. Oh, and I don't know why I appreciated that so much. I was like 18 when I read it. And it was the first book that I felt really accurately explained how I felt about the world. I felt mm -hmm. that, you know, it's a story about a kid who's going into high school and his, his friend has committed suicide and he's just very shy and these older kids kind of take him under their wing and befriend him and try to pull him out of his shell a little bit and just the the descriptions of what it feels like to be with people you trust and to be with friends who you love and it's just a really powerful and awesome book for me um, and the best part of that book for me is that then the author went on to make write and direct the movie that came out a few years ago, um, and it, it was it was fantastic. I thought it was a very accurate uh, remake of the book. Excellent so movie, an excellent book, and Parks of Being Wallflowers set in the '90s and has a lot of references to music and the mm -hmm. fashion and the, the interests of that time. And it describes the time that I went to high school, and that book is like a startlingly accurate picture of what high school was like for me. Like, I knew those people, you know, our lives, my life was certainly far less dramatic than all of that, but I certainly knew people who had a similar level of angst and trauma. Mm -hmm. And yeah, it was just like, I'm like, if, if you ever want to know what it, what it was actually like to go to high school in the 90s, this is correct. I remember I read it, and there were a couple of us who were reading it on a choir trip, and I remember it just getting passed around on like buses and planes the whole time and everybody just being obsessed with it and it really spoke to everyone. Mm -hmm. I actually never read that one. I was like, oh, such no. a bad teen librarian when I was a teen librarian because I never read it. Well, you can't read everything. I mean, yeah. What? You mean I can't? <laughs> Are you sure? It's a tragic, it's a tragic and maddening fact that every librarian has to come to accept, but I don't well, know why I've never read, read it though. I read a lot of like the edgy realistic <laughs> fiction. I've just never read that one. Now I kind of feel like, okay, it's kind of too late. I just have to own the fact that I've never read it. It's, it's never too late. Well, I won't let myself see the movie because I haven't read the book, so I haven't seen the movie. <laughs> well, and it's one of those books, I, I don't tend to try
try to convince people to read books, but that book just demands that, like Megan said, like you just want to share it with someone. You just want to say, please read this book. Oh my God, it's amazing. It was one of the few <laughs> books I brought with me from high school to college. Like I, I when I moved to college, I like didn't really bring a lot of stuff with me. Mm. I think I made like this very like physical break between like my high school self and who I was going to become in college and I like didn't bring that much <laughs> stuff with me but I brought that book and I remember like when a friend of mine was having a hard time in college I like mailed her my copy and I was like just read it again you'll feel better <laughs> it's, it's a really powerful book I don't think it's too late for either of you I think it's worth reading I do and like it is a teen novel and it is pretty melodramatic especially in the end like I, I did begin to feel like maybe there's like one too many issues <coughs> piled in there but I just you know it's also it's really great it's really you know, it rang true yeah so what's your third book my third one is different entirely um, it's The Haunting of Elias Bell Cray by Chris Wooding um, it's a YA uh, kind of horror fantasy where the lead character is basically a monster hunter and has to go out and kill crazy monster things and there's this weird girl who shows up and he has to figure out what what her deal is and uh, try to kind of save her from from the craziness um, it's just so atmospheric and dark and, and interesting um, and it just loved the it had just the right amount of creepiness and adventure Excellent. very good alright Matt it was really fun thinking about all the different like scenarios like like I like that you mentioned a kind of political book because it's like oh I want to remind myself why I never want to return to her <laughs> <laughs> but and I, I like that these all too are uh, maybe extensions of our personalities to our choices here and in that I kind of went with um, humorous or absurdist books um, <laughs> plus that's like definitely escapism you know like maybe I won't like the uh, astronaut ice cream that I eat or the desolate plains of Mars. But, um, my first one that I picked was kind of cheating too, but maybe not. It's a short story collection. That's why I feel like I'm kind of cheating. Cause mm -hmm. it's, no, that totally no, that's fine. okay. It's, I mean, uh, Martian Chronicles is a short story collection. That's true, yeah. yeah. They're at least um, bound in one volume. Yeah. <laughs> As opposed to that very <laughs> But um, Donald. Bartome, I think is how you say his last name. I've never actually heard it said out loud, but uh, he was like a prolific short story writer, mostly doing that. So his collection, 40 stories. Um, I read it at a time where I wasn't reading a lot and I was really into like absurd TV shows. To, so that was like the first time that I read something like that, which if you aren't familiar, it is crazy. Like he. He can speak in so many different voices, and some of the stories just, most of the stories don't make sense. They're not like traditional, I'd say they're more avant-garde. Like there's one where it's like he visits the Tolstoy Museum, and there's just like all these really weird drawings interspersed with the text, and chaotic, unearthly things keep happening. But then he can also write a more like traditional dialogue. He's um, really expansive, so it, I like that because of the variety reason. Um, my second choice was Master and Margarita by Mikhail Bulgakov. Mm -hmm. um, and 
that one has like Satan is a talking black cat mm-hmm. and there's a lot of absurdity in that but then there's the symbolism of, in that it was written under um, Soviet government so there's a lot of the double meaning things that Russian mm-hmm. and Polish writers or Eastern European writers were using mm-hmm. um, but that's also just like a great dense story for kind of a, I don't know if it's 250 or 300 pages but the, all the different routes it goes down and the political aspect of it. The language is beautiful and any of the translations I've read, it, it's kind of like the perfect book to me. And then the last one was by the um, Polish sci-fi author Stanislaw Lem. Um, it's the Futurological Congress. It's this really bizarre book where they are at a hotel for a conference and there's like protests that are outside. There's just this building tension that eventually leads into like really disturbing hallucinations. But then the way that he's writing is you never know what is the actual reality. So he like wakes up in the future at some point and everything is like pristine and clear and calm and they've like figured out things. But then it's slowly like he starts noticing that people are out of breath all the time and it, uh, it's slowly revealed that there's all these layers of reality due to like drugs that are put into the air and it's like it unveils well I probably shouldn't spoil it, if <laughs> but it's yeah you're gonna you're gonna be an interesting person to be on a spaceship with it's always the quiet ones <laughs> No, I keep meaning to read Master and Margarita. That's been like on my to read list for so years. I've never read it either. Yeah, it has a cat in it. Yeah. <laughs> it's really, really weird. There's actually yeah. there's there's an edition that's really popular. You have to like find the one that's not censored. Mm. Like there's one mm-hmm. that was taken from a censored translated translated mm-hmm. from a censored text, and there's one that wasn't. Mm-hmm. But I don't know if like vintage has that one, but. Most of them are from the censored version. Oh, interesting. Interesting. Huh, now I've got to check and see what we have. We do. Yeah, we should have yeah. the uncensored. Generally, I, I like to try to have... We like to try to have our books be uncensored. <laughs> That's kind of important to us. <laughs> awesome. So, so I... Oh, sorry. Well, one thing I was thinking of while I was trying to pick my three was I was thinking about how in The Martian, in the book and in the movie, mm-hmm. if anybody's read it or seen them, um, after everybody else leaves Mars and uh, Matt Damon is alone, um, there's he, he goes through all of his like crewmates' stuff and uses all of their entertainment um, mm-hmm. things that they got to bring with them. And one of them is like they could, they also get to bring TV shows mm-hmm. and that, on like a little flash drive. And I was like, oh, what TV show would I bring? Mm. And I don't know. This is like I'm just obviously like spitballing this out here. You guys haven't had time to think about it, but would you? have a TV show you know you would want to watch over and over. Absolutely. I, I know what yeah. I would bring for oh, sure. Oh, all right, shoot. Yeah, I, every night I either watch Futurama or Frasier. <laughs> and I was just listening to an interview with Tatiana Maslany um, at San Diego Comic-Con. She was on Nerdist and they were asking her about like what shows she watched and she said the same thing. She was like, Futurama, oh, and also Frasier. They're just so... Ah watchable you can just watch them over and over and over again and they're on Netflix so I do that's awesome Shaka <laughs> Maslany is your soulmate <laughs> she's amazing that's so great I was at first I was 
kind of like, uh, but then I realized, of course, it would have to be Star Trek The Next Generation. Yeah. I never, ever get tired of that. That's a good one for a space yeah, journey, too. absolutely. You know? I would bring Parks and Recreation. Good choice. It's yeah. happy. People are, like, nice to each other. It would remind me of, like, the best of humanity. It's funny. It's sweet. I can watch it over and over again. That would be my choice. I think I would go with NCIS. Hmm, Yeah. You also need something that has like multiple, many seasons. You can't yeah, pick something yeah. that's only got like two seasons. Yeah, like I was debating would I go with NCIS or would I go with Castle? But I really don't like the last couple seasons of Castle, so I'm mm-hmm. like, I gotta go with NCIS because I like it all the way through. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you gotta, yeah, you gotta be able to make it through. And they're hour long, so like they, they last a little bit longer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and the people are so pretty. It's <laughs> all so pretty. <laughs> that won't hurt when you're out in space, when you're out in the void. Matt, do you have a show? I was going to say one, but since you brought up Futurama, that's like, there's so many seasons of it, and it is really rewatchable, I think. I think I might have to go with that. Yeah. It's a good choice. Solid choice. It's so funny, my, uh, my little nieces and nephews have completely converted my dad to Futurama. Um, he's always talking about, he was so delighted recently because he learned that, um, what's the, the robot who goes by the name of Clamps? Mm-hmm. Um, I forget, you know, but he, he looked it up and discovered that his full name is um, Francis X. Clampazzo. <laughs> and, like, he has never gotten over this. Like, this is the best thing my dad has ever He's discovered. He's part of the robot mafia. Yes. <laughs> Just, especially coming from Boston. Francis X. Clampazzo. We're assuming that's for Francis Xavier Clampazzo because it has to be. I like the idea oh, of a show so that, that you can, like, the rewatch factor, but like Futurama, you can make like a project out of it. Like the math jokes. The, mm-hmm. just every, there's so many, every time I rewatch it, there's like a new thing that I didn't notice. And the great thing about watching it in 2016 is that the older episodes are old enough that there are parts that are very dated. So there are these jokes about the future, <laughs> which are now in the past. Mm-hmm. It's it's very, very interesting. Yeah. There, there was a great episode where everyone was standing in line outside of the Apple store, um, you know, and they have this, uh, you know, strange offbeat, you know, indie song that everyone knows and, and they were all going to get the, the latest device. And I was like, oh, that's still the same. Yeah. <laughs> I just, I didn't even remember until just now. I have a quote from Futurama pinned over my desk. It's <laughs> like, how could I have forgotten how important that is to me? But, uh, but yeah, it's a, uh, it's from, um, the episode, How Hermes Got His Groove Back, in which they go to, like, the central kind of, like, accounting and filing place, and there's, like, the chief accountant, um, who is, like, the most quintessential cataloging librarian you've ever seen, <laughs> um, and he's like, don't quote me regulations. I co-chaired the committee to review the recommendation to change the color of the book that regulation's in. We kept it gray. <laughs> <laughs> and that's kind of what my job feels like sometimes. <laughs> oh, outstanding. So uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make you all suffer now, and I'm going to force you to choose your number one book. Um, this could be, you know, your number one favorite book. Um, unless you feel like it's going to be redundant, or it could be, you know, the book that you consider the greatest thing you have ever read, or it could be the book that you most want to press upon the world, like the book that you would put on the required reading list, but it has to be just one. 
I guess I could reread Master and Margarita over and over again. Mm-hmm. I have not read it more than twice, though. So I feel. I almost said White Teeth by Zadie Smith. Mm-hmm. I really like the multi generational thing, and her writing is so clever that it would be like. I'd love to just keep rereading it and laughing, but. I think it's actually a really, a really good, uh, a really good attitude to say, you know, I have not read enough books yet to say, you know, this is the best book. I mean, the hubris, right? I mean, there's so many books we haven't read. It could be that truly the greatest book is one that you have not yet read, maybe one that's not even been written. Uh, you know, Station Eleven, which I've probably talked about before, you know, is going to be a book years later that that we look back on yeah, and are like, oh, wow. Book. Yeah, I mean, there's a couple of recent books, actually, that, that I would put up there, but perhaps her true favorite book is yet to come. And on that note, <laughs> thanks for being with us. Um, please uh, let us know how you're liking the podcast. You can tweet us at Carrie Mem Library. Uh, we're on Facebook as Carrie Library. Uh, we're on Instagram at Carrie Mem Library as well. Uh, we're all over the place. This podcast is on iTunes and SoundCloud. Anywhere else? Mixcloud. Mixcloud. I don't even know what that is. I better get on that. <laughs> That's okay. We don't all have to be the expert in everything. Um, so yeah, come see us at the library if you're local. And thank you for listening. Bibliophiles is a production of Cary Memorial Library in Lexington, Massachusetts. Matt Schumann engineered the podcast and created our theme music. Do you have questions, comments, or ideas for future episodes? Find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash library or on Twitter and Instagram at Carrie Mem Library. That's C-A-R-Y-M-E-M Library. For show notes and to find out more about us, visit us at carrylibrary.org.